0: To the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint on the BMG Network. Let's begin by uh, the story with uh, Catherine Herrich, fine reporter for Fox News for many years. She left Fox, went to CBS, and she was fired recently, and uh, hundreds of other employees at CBS were let go as well. But her firing got the most attention because of the way she reports, an excellent reporter, and some are suggesting it was more than just a layoff because she'd been reporting on the her report, which determined that Joe Biden illegally stored these presidential documents in his garage in some cases. And uh, and her report said, and this is Biden's own Justice Department, determined that it was because the president is, you know, a kindly old man with a bad memory. In other words, he's diminished cognitively. And they gave that as the reason why some of these uh, top secret files were handled the way they were. But CBS went further than just firing Harridge. They seized her files, her computers, her records, her notepads. Some of these computers, her files included privileged sources. Now, why would they do that? That got me to thinking, I'm thinking the government, in this case, the Biden administration, or somebody in the administration leaned on CBS News to put the screws to her. According to George Washington law professor Jonathan Turley, whom I admire a great deal, he said the timing of Harridge's termination immediately raised suspicions in Washington. Obviously, she got too close. She was pursuing stories that were unwelcomed by the administration and many Democratic powerhouses, including the Her Report, as we mentioned, Joe Biden's diminished mental capacity, the Biden corruption scandal, and the Hunter Biden laptop. Harridge continued to pursue these stories despite reports of pushback from CBS executives, including the president of CBS News, Ingrid Matthews. Brit Hume, another fine reporter, said he's never heard of anything like this. It's unprecedented. It's like, it's like we're living in the old Soviet Union. We have a communist government at times. It seems that way, leaning on news organizations because they want to control the, the flow of the news and what's reported and how it's reported. Let's talk about some of these uh, mass shootings that have taken place over the past several days. There have been three shootings, or there were three shootings in 10 days, and it you know derailed all the media narratives on gun incidents. Most of us are familiar with those narratives when it comes to reporting of these types of shootings. It's always political, and if the shooter is white, we know right away uh, who that shooter is. Recently, the Kansas City Chiefs, they had their parade. The Super Bowl uh, was won by the Chiefs again. So these fans were gathered at a, at a parade to celebrate the, the Chiefs' victory. Two juveniles, we were told, opened fire on the crowd. Twenty-two people were injured. A 47-year-old woman, local DJ, was killed. She was also a mother, Elizabeth Galvin. And many of the victims were under 16. And we didn't know for the longest time about these shooters. I said to myself, who are these people? Well, I suspected they were black, and they, they are. turns out they were young black males. And they were underage, so the Kansas City Police Department arrested the two of them, charged them with gun related violations and resisting arrest. Both are incarcerated. But anytime there's a shooting and the perpetrator is black or Hispanic, we never hear about the, the identities of the shooters. Now, in this case, there were, there were juveniles. So that was the reason given for not disclosing their identities. But the media had no trouble when it was this Kyle Rittenhouse. Remember Kyle Rittenhouse? He shot uh, some BLM thugs who attacked him. He was protecting himself. He took matters into his own hands. We knew right away his identity. He was 17 at the time. So why was that different than than these shootings, the shootings in Kansas City? And there's another shooting we're going to touch on here uh, in Texas, shooting at Joel Olstein's church. I mean, this woman, she was born a woman, identified as a man. That's why we didn't hear about her identity. She was quickly taken out by some gun-toting uh, parishioners see, they take matters into their own hands in Texas, that's how they roll. They don't call the cops and wait for the police to show up 15 or 20 minutes later and have all this bloodshed and the cops just looking to assign blame. They take care of business, they protect themselves, they enforce the, the uh, gun laws on the books in Texas, and they, you know, we have Second Amendment rights and they will not be infringed, they're not infringed upon in Texas, but anyway. They dodged the reference to this this woman because she identified as a man, had eight or nine different aliases, all male names, and she turned out to be uh, from El Salvador, an illegal alien. That's why we didn't hear about her identity. This is unbelievable. The press is just insane. But back to Kansas City, 22 people injured, 12 children, one fatality. It happened at a Super Bowl parade. And they can talk, the Democrats and the libs on TV can talk about you know the lack of gun control measures and all these gun control bills. This guy who, two of the shooters, there were four shooters, two juveniles and two adults. This one guy is a career criminal. Shannon Cortez Gooden, convicted felon, so he should not be able to own a firearm. Where'd he get the firearm? He's a black male, an avowed intolerance towards white people, we're, we're learning. He was the one to kill two police officers and a paramedic. He was on social media, posting himself with guns, and he frequently invoked white people as his preferred targets. We didn't hear about his identity right away. All four of the shooters were black. That's why we didn't hear about their identity. It's getting to be ridiculous. You know, Ann Coulter, I love Ann Coulter. She's gone off the rails a little bit lately on Trump. But anyway, she was uh, on Real Time with Bill Maher a few days ago. And she said it, you know, yeah, as she often does, she tells it the way it is or the way she sees it. And she says what most people are thinking or are afraid to say it. They, the media, wouldn't tell us about the transgender woman who shot up the Christian school for about a year. The longer they go without telling you, it's not a white male who's the shooter. It's all about narrative. That's all. And speaking of shooting and guns, and this is this story, I, the oldest gun manufacturer in New York State is leaving. Moving to Georgia. Remington Arms has been in near the Herkimer area. I guess Ilian is the exact place, uh, for 200 years. 208 years, to be exact, of history. Down the tubes, oldest gun maker in the country says it's going to Georgia, a more supportive environment for the firearms industry is the reason they gave. And, you know, you knew what was happening. They've been, I've been at the uh, New York State Assembly for 20 years. And Remington, for about that long, has been warning, look, these these gun control measures you're taking, uh, you're putting into law are, are hurting business. And they finally decided, say, they had enough of all the communism, basically, from the Democrats here in New York State, the governor, who, by the way, Governor Hochul at one point was, endorsed by the nra when she ran for congress in 2008 or she actually she was elected to one term she got endorsed by the nra she doesn't like her left-wing supporters to know that but Ilian residents are facing the reality of losing a core part of their town's identity i mean it's going to be like it's already a ghost town If you ever been to Ilian or herkimer that whole area is really there's not a lot happening if you're not a woodcutter or if you don't work for remington you're <laughs> you're in trouble It's been hollowed out, all industries, but especially now the gun industry. I got a quote here. This is from a site called Daily Patriot Report. They have a quote from one of the people who's, who's worked there for a long time. Frank Rusty Brown, a factory worker, expressed personal and family ties to Remington with the move he and his wife, among others in his family, will lose their jobs. Some people may uh, may move with Remington to, to keep their jobs. Most won't. Most of these people have been that their ties, their their roots are in Ilian, are in this state, are in the Mohawk Valley. They're not going to be able to move. So 300 people are going to remain here jobless. That's going to impact the town's revenue. 300 people leaving or the, the company leaving, it's going to cost the, the, comp- the uh, town about a million dollars. And local businesses are going to suffer as well. The Villian said it's like the town losing its soul. All these anti-gun measures passed by the, these morons in the Assembly and Senate. They're all downstate Democrats. And they get some support from some upstate Dems as well. They've, they've had some financial issues, Remington. They've had some challenges. Bankruptcy filings in 2018 and 2020 and a $73 million lawsuit settlement in 22. And it's just unbelievable what's happening in this state, the adverse uh, relationship the government has to anybody who owns firearms. And I've said this before, and I'm going to continue to say it. I mean, we have a Second Amendment right, and they can pass all the anti-gun bills they want into law in New York State. But eventually, you have to start enforcing them. You know, when Cuomo passed the SAFE Act, he he pushed through the SAFE Act, Democrats did, in the dead of night. It was overnight. They push through the Safe Act and all these restrictions on on firearm on, uh, all these restrictions on firearm ownership. I don't have a pistol permit because it's just too much trouble for me to go through all the the hoops. I mean, I, a friend of mine, I work with at the assembly, he's getting his pistol permit, but I mean, he's had to go through all these legal hoops just to get a, to own a pistol. These people who these gangbangers who, who are shooting up New York City. They, where are they getting their guns they don't go through 5 hour safety courses all these training courses and all these uh, this bureaucratic red tape they get the guns on the black market they you know they just they they get guns and they use them for illegal purposes but the you know the uh, the citizenry has to go through all this this nonsense just to own a firearm or a, or a pistol that's why i own long guns and i will continue to own long guns but the Safe Act Cuomo pushed that through, and it's it's getting it's getting tough here in New York State, and getting tougher to own a firearm. On to something else here. I'm just kind of glancing and blowing. There's so much to talk about. I mean, you know, I hear enough about Trump, Biden, Biden, Trump, and the polls and everything else. We're going to get to President Trump in a comment he made this week, and I thought it was very telling, and it it tells me about a lot about the man himself, uh, as opposed to his opponent. Or you know, we don't know if Biden's going to be the one actually. Getting the nomination, he may get the nomination, but I don't think he's going to be around in November. On to something else. I'm kind of glancing and blowing here. There's a lot to talk about. Planned Parenthood uh, has received a lot of money, a lot of taxpayer money, hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, to be exact, 1.78 billion in taxpayer funds between fiscal years 2019 and 2021, including 90 million in small business loans during COVID. That's according to a new government report. Planned Parenthood Federation of America, the nation's leading abortion provider, they can bill themselves as a women's health care provider, but they're the largest abortion provider in the country, got over a billion and a half dollars in direct payments from Medicare, Medicaid, and Children's Health Insurance Program. That's according to a Government Accountability Office report out recently. This redistribution of wealth. The abortion giant also got 148 million through Department of Health and Human Services grants, grants and agreements, and 90 million through Paycheck Protection Program or PPP loans. Again, it's all taxpayer money. Anyway, they are getting. You know, do you support Planned Parenthood? I don't. But why do they get all this money? Maybe a half a million a year in taxpayer money, so they can take the snuff out the lives of unborn babies. All right. President Trump was asked recently, I think it was about a week ago, uh, he's not interested in revenge on his political enemies. He says, my revenge will be my success. Trump was uh, speaking during a town hall in Greenville, South Carolina. It was hosted by Laura Ingram and Fox. And he was answering a question from a woman who asked, quote, Mr. President, our country is so divided right now. Yeah, we're divided. It's been this bad before. A lot of people who weren't alive in 1968 don't remember how divided we were. The political assassinations, Bobby Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, John Kennedy in 63. We've been divided worse than this, of course, in the 1860s. But anyway, uh, Mr. President, we're so divided right now. I know you've, you've suffered endless attacks, but how can you assure independent and undecided voters that your focus as president will be on improving the state of our country and not settling old scores. And Trump explained, quote, We will get together through success. When this country, the country was at a level that we had the best employment numbers in history. Everything was good. He's speaking about his first term. And this country was coming together. Then we got hit with COVID. But this country came together. I don't care about the revenge thing. I know they usually use the word revenge. They he didn't say who they was his his opponents, will there be revenge? My revenge will be success, and that's it's true. When people are doing well, they're less angry. When they have more money to spend, when it's so not so difficult to make ends meet, and life is more affordable, especially if you have you know a wife and children and, and a mortgage. And things were good under President Trump economically, financially. They were they've never been better for minorities and everybody in general. And they will be like that again if he gets reelected. And it's a big if. And that's all about all the time we have uh, for this program. Thank you very much, folks, for tuning us in. Don't forget, hit like, hit subscribe, hit that subscribe button, and share with your friends on social media. We do this each week. The PAC-Man with me, Ted Flint. PAC stands for Patriotic American Citizen. You want to contact me directly, it's PAC-Man, P-A-C-M-A-N, at the BMG Network. all lowercase. Check out all the fine programming we have for you on the BMG network, including my daughter's program. And she just put up a new podcast today, as a matter of fact. So check that out. It's called The Essentials with Maddie Flint. Thanks for tuning us in. And if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG network on Facebook and be sure to tune into the next episode of the Pac-Man podcast with Ted Flint.